digital resources, our online giving, our, you can give by text. We have a lot of different ways. We understand not everybody does cash and check anymore. So if you're a, a debit card person, well, those options exist for you. Um, and we appreciate those who utilize them. Well, this is it. Part seven. We're wrapping up the outrageous things Jesus said. And guess what? There weren't only seven th- outrageous things Jesus said. When you gets down to it, the bulk of the things, when you put it in context, were pretty outrageous. Jesus went around ruffling feathers and ticking people off. <clears throat> the, his death on the cross was not the first time somebody tried to kill him. They got upset with him one time and tried to throw him off of a cliff. They tried to just take care of him right there. Herod tried to kill him as a baby. There were murder attempts on Jesus' life multiple times. And in his adulthood, it was connected to what came out of his mouth. It just ruffled feathers. And we're here, and we kind of have some nice warm fuzzies. And we're like, we want to hear what Jesus says. And all his listeners back there were like, we're kind of creeped out. And we're going to sit here, and we're going to scowl, and we're going to look at you from a distance, and you better not say anything wrong. And Jesus didn't care. He just said the truth. And he just put it out there. But on our end, we can kind of read these things into it. And we kind of put it through our We Love Jesus filter and not see it in the context with how really aggressive Jesus can be with some of the things he said. And today we're going to wrap this up because I think this comes down in our culture and in our day and age where we're going to look at today, this is something that we have to get as Christ followers as a non-negotiable. We've talked about love, and we, uh, we set the context of that, that love our enemies, love those who even plot against us, and hate us for our very existence. That love should be our paradigm to that extreme. So we've already set that up. So as we set into this, we have to understand we come from this from an aspect of love, but we have to get this part down. So let's just go ahead. Let's just go ahead and get into this. Some of the things that Jesus said, the truth is, this seemed completely outrageous because we were looking at things completely wrong. We've looked at that concept over and over and over again, and we have set this thing where Jesus gave us why he came. And he puts in, so he puts the filter, he puts, okay, this is how I want you to view things. And John 3, 17 tells us, for God did not send his son. These are Jesus' words. These aren't somebody else's words. These are Jesus talking. Right after he declares John three sixteen, says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. That is his whole assignment. He came to rescue. He came to, 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 to make a way for life that did not exist. It didn't exist. He didn't bring an alternative. He didn't bring an option. He didn't throw one more thing on the religious smorgasbord of life and say, here's another option in case you have kind of turned your nose up at all of the other ones. I'm going to give you something else to kind of potentially put in your religious pipe and smoke that. He's no. He came to do something completely different. A true way did not exist. Uh, it did not exist. He came to save. It didn't exist. And part of it is we have to look at that concept, that a concept of love and a concept of him coming to save and a concept of him coming to, to, <clears throat> to reach out to us and from a place of love or we will completely 
our whole response and connections will be absolutely wrong. I, uh, last uh, um, week was Mother's Day, and I shared with y'all on Mother's Day that, uh, um, you know, that my mom, she's just one of the sweetest people I know, but she had to raise three kids, and me being the first one, uh, my mom was not one of these ladies that said, wait till your daddy comes home. She's like, I can deal with this now. And uh, so she would deal with it. And um, so she was, I, I, I did not want to have corporal punishment from either one of my parents. She, she made sure we never had our knees knocking that dad came home. She wanted dad coming home to be a good thing, never to be a fearful thing. Oh, my goodness, dad, come home. And uh, don't come home. He wanted, she wanted us, so she protected our connection with my dad. And, and so consequently, if it was just her at the house, dad was at work, and something went off the rails, man, mom dealt with it. And it got dealt with, and it got dealt with directly. And me being the, the oldest and the only brother, then um, I had that boy energy that just needs to wrestle something. It just needs to grab something in a headlock and make it submit and squeal or say uncle or do something or punch in the gut. I mean, you just don't care what. If you win, lose something, you want to struggle. And all I had was two sisters that were younger than me. And so I, we would do it. My directly younger sister, she would never back down from a fight. Her husband still just sees her as the sweetest little person. I'm like, you don't know her when she was a kid. She was mean and vicious. My sister that you would think is the sweetest, at one point took this ear. I was wrestling my other sister. She comes to help, grabs my ear and pulls it up and rips my earlobe all the way up to the cartilage. And just, just, you're like, sweet little Heather? Yes, sweet little Heather did that. And so we would wrestle. We would go at it. And it wasn't always my mom's favorite thing for us to do was to, be, was to wrestle. And, uh, but one time I was, they, I was taking on both of them at the same time. And I just, that was the only way to make it fair. So I grabbed one and I grabbed the other one. And so I, I ended up having one each under one arm around the waist. And so they're just kind of dangling. But they're not really cooperating with this move. And so they're fighting and kicking and all this stuff. So I decided I'm going to go and put them down. Well, as I go to go down, well, you get weaker as you get into that squat position. And my legs just gave. Well, as I did this, it, it, if you were on the outside, you'd have thought I was like super ninja. Awesome. Looked brilliant. It was not. It was an accident. And I went down because their diaphragm, each one hits on a knee. Bam! And I knocked the wind out of both of them at the same time. It looked like a ninja move. Wham! Take that, girls! And they're just laying on the ground. And they're just sitting there and they're gasping for air. They got their wind knocked down, which is always a scary thing. And, um, and so they're just laying there. And I'm big brother. I just did it. And I immediately just jumped in and saved them. No, I wish that was the way the story went. I immediately hit my knees in between them as they cannot. They're doing the nothing coming out. And all I can do is, don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. And that's all that comes out of my mouth. Not are you okay. Not how do I help you. Not like pump their stomach or something. Like grab their arm and get it at billows or something. Not they're just laying there. And that's all I do is just say, don't tell mom. 
don't tell mom. And of course, that wind comes back, they're breathing. What's the first thing they do? They go tell mom. And uh, which was going to happen anyway. So it wasn't like I gave them the idea. And uh, anyways, and so in the middle of that, looking back, that was, that was just completely the wrong response. But when we normal, when normal humanity looks at God at a distance, and we have this paradigm of punishment and making things right, and, and all of a sudden we have this concept of, of, of punishment, all we think of is ourselves. Our hurting humanity, we don't care about. The concept of punishment doesn't make anybody love. It doesn't. You can't crack a whip on anybody hard enough to make them love. My response, I love my sisters. And my response should have been to help my sisters that could not breathe. That's the loving response. We don't have to get real deep into the whole Christian walk. I think we pull, pull all of humanity, no matter what culture. You say, somebody in your culture is not breathing. What do you do? I help them. I don't plead for my own mercy. I don't plead my own case. That was the first, it wasn't the loving response at all. I wasn't looking at it from my sister's perspective of a, of a love response that was needed. And I wasn't even looking at it from my mom's perspective. Even though I pulled her into the mix and think, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. And all I said, because I guarantee it. My mom been sitting there. The first thing on her mind was not going to be to deal with me. She wasn't going to walk in and see them and go, Brandon, can you explain this? And watch them just gasping for air. I think, we, I think we're going to have to have a talking about this right now. Go to your room. We're going to go do it. And they're just leaving them. No. No. She walks in. The first thing she cares about. If I was even remotely even thinking from my mom's perspective. Not even just loving my neighbor. If I would just tried to just even go, what does even my mom really care about? It would have then spilled over into loving my sister's. In that moment, I didn't care really about my mom. I didn't care really about my sisters. I cared about me. I cared about me. And this whole thing, this whole paradigm, when we think that all of a sudden that it's about this thing of condemnation, that's why Jesus says he he didn't come to condemn the world. Why? Because that immediately puts us on the defensive. And everything that we'll do will be try to protect our rears and not fall into this place of condemnation. And so Jesus came to save us. He came to do the work. He came to make a way where there was no way so that all that stuff is dealt with and all that's left to do is love. All that's left to do is love. If you are here this morning to try to make God smile on you and like you a little more, guess what? He liked you before you got up. If you skip church, he still loves you. He sent Jesus as testimony to his love. What Jesus did on the cross and and being raised from the dead is a proof of his love for you. And as we get into pouring this into, we have to have this mentality that is about God's love for humanity. Because in our culture today, our <clears throat> culture today, we do not tolerate intolerance. We don't. That's the one big evil in our culture. It's for us to not be tolerant. And as we talk about our Savior, 
there comes to this place that we come to this truth. That he's not one option among many options. And that all roads lead to God because it's just not the truth. It's just not the truth. And one of the most outrageous things Jesus said in his day, and the truth is in our culture, one of the most outrageous things we say is that Jesus is the way to be right with God. He's not a way. He's the way. You're like, well, that's intolerant. What about all these other religions? They're spinning their wheels and taking them down a dead-end trail. It's just that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Well, is the, how is that loving? It's loving because it's the truth. It's loving because it gets you going where you need to be. It's loving because it doesn't leave you as stuck as you were to begin with. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody. Now he's talking to a super religious crowd that thought they already had access to God. That if they went through their ceremonies and all of their religious practices and all those different things, then they would be able to be completely right with God. And the truth is, is if they took an honest look at it, that they were never right with God, all it did is, is give them another year of window, another little place of respite, as the plan of God for Messiah, who would make them right, would show up. All it was is given another year extension in this time where we're waiting for the real answer to show up. It was, they did not have a way. And it was absolutely, completely <clears throat> crazy to these people that Jesus said that he's the way, the truth and life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. John 8, this is, he didn't just say it one time. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he said, where I go, you cannot come? But he continues, you're from below and I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you did not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. He just made it plain. You don't believe I am who I've said I am. You're stuck there. You're already there and you stay there. John 10 says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and to have it to the full. Jesus is the way to life. This place of this tension, not just for us individually, but for humanity. And when you get down to it, when humanity fell, all of creation was thrown into this place of disrepair. All of creation was messed up. You look back at the first account in the garden and all, everything goes off the rails. And Jesus is the sign that the new creation and things being re returned to right have begun. 
that Jesus' resurrection signals that there is a new age and a new day and God is doing something fresh and different. Nothing like that had ever happened before. And the way to be made right with God is taken care of in his process of the bringing about the fullness of, a, of full restoration. New heavens, new earth, the, all, the whole thing is, has fully begun. Jesus is the kickoff mark of that. He is the one that got it going. And this is central to our understanding of our relationship with God. Jesus isn't just the beginning place of your relationship with God. Sometimes we can kind of present it that way. All right, well, you need to get saved. And you are without God. You are are hopelessly stuck in, in your sin. And we present Jesus and say, okay, now do you believe that? Wonderful. Okay, now, that's great. Now you have the part where now you've got to do all these other things. And you have to read your Bible every day and you have to do all this and you have to, you have to, to <clears throat> do all of this list of things. And now all of a sudden this, this weight of this responsibility of what to do with this great gift comes upon your shoulders. And he did this moment and now you have to carry this out. And it wasn't that Jesus is the beginning and you're the end. It's Jesus is the beginning and he's the end. He's the one that's faithful to complete the work he began in you. He is the way. He's the beginning of your, of your journey and he is the end of your journey and he is everything in between your journey. You're like, you talk about Jesus a whole lot. Yes, we do. Because he's everything. He is everything. You get off of Jesus and you've got off the way. It's just the truth. He is the way. He is everything. Acts 4, verse 11 says <clears throat> that Jesus is, the, <clears throat> Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. This is Peter talking to the people there, the, the Jews there in Jerusalem. He says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. You rejected him. You wanted nothing to do with him. And Jesus is the one that is laid First, and everything is built off of him. Everything is being put together in alignment, in a um, plumb line with him. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which, man, by which we must be saved. He is simply it. There was not another option there was not another option Jesus isn't just laid out here and go well you know what this whole Christianity thing kind of fits me better than some of these other options out here it's that they don't take you anywhere they don't connect you with God all of them put you back in a place of handing you your list and says this is the way to try to pursue being right with God or right with humanity or right with your inner self or any of these other things. And, and Jesus comes in and says, I am the way. I'm going to fulfill all of this. And in him, gets right, we're right with humanity, right with God, and you can get right with your inner self in him. All of those things are part of the package that we get with Jesus he is the beginning and he's the end. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 6 says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
for there is no for there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind the man I love it that Paul says it that way the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people <clears throat> this has now been witnessed at the proper time Jesus willingly gave himself and became the way see as humanity had <clears throat> had turned its back on God back at the beginning of creation there in the garden then God had to make a way where he would choose to turn towards humanity humanity was walking away and, and Jesus was the pursuit and overtake of us all of a sudden, in him and in him alone is everything completely set right. I love the way that the Good News Bible puts this. There in verse 5, it says, For there is one God, and there is one who brings God and human beings together. The man Christ Jesus. He's it. He's it. He's the one who was sinless, and took care of, of sin in its fullness. He took the full weight of it. You know, people <clears throat> begin to, a lot of times would say that it doesn't seem fair. Because we look at everything from this place of fairness. And go, you know what? I understand like these really, really wicked, horrible people. And that maybe that if there's a hell, that maybe that place belongs to them. But I know some pretty decent people, and, and you know, I'd probably put myself in that category. I'm pretty decent. I'm, almost everyone says that they're better than average, which is statistically impossible. And so, but everyone says that they're better than average. And so, uh, so they put themselves on their own scale, and they make the top 50% cut. And, um, and so, they, uh, so they said, but you know what? This thing that, that the wages of sin is death. And that sin, I can understand the wages of bad sin being death. But the wages of sin, period, means the best person I know, the sweetest person I know, and their little trippings and their little stuff still deserves death? How is that even fair? That just doesn't even, that just doesn't even seem fair. That's just kind of wrong, God. We can build a better system than that. And you're supposed to be some almighty powerful God oh my goodness you, you gotta have to see the grace in it the person that you that you think of in your mind that you all of their stuff all the stuff that you would just sit back and look down your nose and wag your finger and say that person's the scum of the earth and if somebody goes to hell it's probably them and all their stuff that they did what is what is the wages of that? It's death. Okay, let's say that they lived a double. They got their life extended. And then they took on another really horrible person's stuff. They did, they did that person's too. What would be it? Death. Let's say that, th that one person did everybody in this room's mess ups. Every little dumb thing we ever did, every selfish thing, every hateful thing, everything that fell short of God's perfection of love that was not driven and motivated in an act of love was done by 
this one person. And we all did everything exactly right. What would that one person's penalty be? Death. What if everybody in San Angelo, Texas stuff was pushed over there? Tom Green County, Texas, North America, the world, everyone going forward, everyone going backward, everyone that ever lived. Death. Still be that same one. So therefore, it is this beautiful, amazing act that one man who didn't have anything wrong and had this great, big, blank check that I, mine gets taken care of and yours gets taken care of and your neighbor's gets taken care of, everyone's. It is legal and just and right. And it isn't you just saying, God, I recognize your boy's the number one. I'm going to play your little game and recognize he's the number one, and you kind of sweep my stuff aside. No. It is legal, and it is right, and it is just. And under that system, anybody, any arbitrator from the outside would initially go, oh, my God, and then look at the way the system's saying, and go, yeah. Yeah. It's just. It's just. That's how mercy, him choosing to do it when he didn't have to, and justice, us needing it, they come together. And Jesus made a way where there was no way. Because without him, I was stuck, and you were stuck, and everybody else was stuck. And that's why there's not another way, because nobody else did it. Nothing else took place that did it. Jesus is it. He brought God and human beings together in his amazing, beautiful, selfless sacrifice. And we have to be loving to the extreme. But we cannot back off for the sake of this thing of saying we have to be tolerant and saying that everything's equal. And it's not. It's not. And right now in, in San Angelo, Texas in 2015, we can say it. But I don't think we have to get our imaginations too worked up to recognize the trajectory of our culture. And that our children and our grandchildren could one day be considered that to say that Jesus is the only way. To be considered hate speech. To be considered intolerant. For it to be considered just absolutely wrong to be able to do that. For those that don't believe and don't see the truth. But you and I, we have to grab a hold of love and we have to love those that don't care for us and we have to love them so deeply and understand that they may hate what the truth we say and love them and pray for them despite that but we can never ever ever let go of the truth and boldly proclaim that Jesus is the way he's it he's it see knowing that Jesus is the way to life gives us a new way of life it changes 
it changes. It gives us a new way of doing life. It's the same thing uh, somebody gets married. As soon as I got married, I had a new way to do life. Why? Because it wasn't all about me anymore. It became every action, every choice I made affected her, involved her, all of those different pieces. I had to learn a new way of life. It is a new way to live. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That thing that we just talked about, that Jesus took it all, He's given us that message that it's been paid. It's been taken care of. This thing of condemnation is gone. We were already condemned. We've now been saved. We've now been made right because of what Jesus did. He's given us that message that he's not counting people's sins against them. He's not. He's not. It's how much more clear do we have to make it? We grab our Bible, our thing that, that Paul wrote there, right? It says God is not counting people's sins against them. He's not. Why? Because they've been taken care of. It's already done. It was already taken care of in Christ, which again frees us to live different. We're not sitting there wondering, oh man, I did the wrong step and and people are gasping around me and I'm concerned about this and then I respond from a completely selfish place because all I care for is making sure I don't get the tail whipping I think I deserve and it's already been taken care of and we are simply freed to love. Simply freed to love. We don't have, we're not sitting there trying, we're not loving, saying, God, look at me. Aren't you happy with me? I'm loving. Am I getting, I'm getting some of my last night knocked off? Look at how sweet I am today. No, it was taken care of. We're simply free to love. That's fake love. That's, that's not right. This is the only way. With what Jesus provided, it is the only way that our love can be genuine. It's the only way. Anything else is us selfishly trying to use good works or good acts to try to prop ourselves up for God. And it is never genuine love. But when we understand this, we have a new way to live, and we can love for love's sake. It changes everything. Galatians 2 says, So I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This keeps coming back every which way. Now, as I'm moving forward, I recognize he was was already took care of it. I'm in him as I'm moving forward. What What are my thoughts? What's my paradigm? It's that he loved me and he gave himself for me. I did not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could have been gained through the law through doing a bunch of rules, then Christ died for nothing. And it couldn't. It couldn't then. It can't now. Grace is what saves us. Grace is what sustains us. Grace is what carries us all the way through. In Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified, since we've been 
made right. Since justice has come in and fixed it all. Through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Do we boast in what we can do for him? No. We boast in how good our God is. That's the message of the good news. That's the message of it. The message of the good news is what has been done and the ramifications that fall into our laps because of it. And the goodness of our God, that's the good news. The good news isn't that you, that you do things just right and you pray just right and you can have a second shot at this. Who wants a second shot at falling on their face? A third shot, a 100th shot at falling on your face. None of us do. Unless we somehow whip ourselves up into some frenzy. They were like, I can do this, I can do this. And when we recognize that he's the only one that could, then we have a totally new way of doing life. Totally new way. He is the way. I want to create a quiet moment right here. And this morning, if you want to embrace the way, And recognize who Jesus is and what he did. You may be saying, Brandon, I, I, I'm just not getting it. I, I, I get it. I thought this was about me trying harder or me being really sorry or any of those things. And I recognize that it's not about any of that on my end. It's about what he did. And I believe it. I believe that he died. That his death was enough. That he was buried and that he rose again. And because of that, then everything has changed. The new creation is mine to have as well. I can be truly different because of a risen Savior. I believe that. And if that's you, I want you to lift your hand and we want to pray with you. Awesome. 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 Yes.